0: I want to talk to you about opportunities that abound for the humble. And what I want to do is I want to speak about opportunities that exist only because you are in Christ and Christ now lives in you. These are opportunities that have nothing to do with what you can bring to the table. Are you hearing me? It is nothing to do with what family you were born into. It has nothing to do with your success in the business world, political world, or any other type of cultural group that exists. It isn't based on how much money you earn, the color of your skin, whether you're male or female, young or old. It's got nothing to do with any of those things. It is because of Christ alone that these opportunities are yours. Now, there are wonderful opportunities freely available to you if you can just see them through the eyes of faith and receive them by believing the Word of God. You see, for the kingdom, you see through the eyes of faith, you receive by believing what your eyes of faith beheld. You believe it. Now, the children of Israel had just come up out of Egypt after spending 400 years in slavery to the Egyptians 400 years and at the Red Sea it seemed as though they would be trapped while the Egyptian army was closing in on them Moses was told what to do and the people were told to go towards the sea sounds crazy but that's what they were told God parted the sea, they they crossed on dry ground, and when the Egyptian army sought to pursue them across, God closed the sea up on the army and destroyed them. Totally destroyed them. And the people rejoiced greatly and sang a new song that Moses spontaneously led them in. Interestingly, not one of those Israelite slaves had a major brand. They had no major... You know, logo on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or Twitter or, I don't know, there's so many out there now you can't keep track of all of them. Not one was wealthy from pioneering their own success in the business world. What they left Egypt with was basically thrown at them in order to get them out. Not one could lay claim on having fasted and prayed to bring this moment into existence. They were stuck, man, they were, they were trapped in slavery. They had slavery mindset syndrome. They'd been there for 400 years. That's a lot of generations. It was ingrained in them. They didn't get to the Red Sea and think, well, this is going to be fine. God's going to take care of all of this. That that Egyptian army is not going to capture us and take us back. That, That was not in their heads and in their hearts. So there's no way they fasted and prayed to see that day. Some had hoped, based on a promise, But they had no idea when it might come. I want you, you gotta sometimes you need to let yourself enter into the moment that the scripture is trying to bring you into. So that when the glorious answer of God is revealed, you can get as excited about it as they did. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's good. No one. Caused that moment to happen. No one. Every single person could only give glory to God. For it was he alone that rescued them. Yes. Yes. They were not moved by the way. After crossing the sea to praise Moses. They were moved to praise God. Let me read this to you from Exodus 14 30 to the end of the chapter and part of 15 so we get the gist of it from the new king james version it says so the lord saved israel that day out of the hand of the egyptians and israel saw the egyptians dead on the seashore thus israel saw the great work which the lord had done in egypt so the people feared the lord and believed the lord And his servant Moses. They didn't praise Moses, but they believed Moses. He demonstrated something, right? Exodus 15, verse 1. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. See, when when you connect with God the way you're meant to connect with God, these kinds of things come out of it. The ability to render praise to God in the moment of his presence is present with anyone who truly gets the presence of God. Amen. That's it. Yes. We used to sing a song out of this very scripture Amen. way back in the day in yeah. Trinity Chapel when it's down on Dedrick Avenue. Yes. You know? I will sing unto the Lord. He is triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider thrown into the sea. Turn scripture to song. Yeah. You know, the Lord, my God, my strength, my song has now become a victory. <laughs> and in the climax, the Lord is God and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Come on, Scripture. Now, years before all of this, Moses had been a prince in Egypt, but he had to flee as a fugitive into the desert for killing an Egyptian. He tried to enter into his deliverance ministry a little too quickly. (laughs) According to the flesh. That's what happens when you try to charge into something according to the flesh. It goes wrong. It goes bad. It turns sour. He was legitimately called to be the deliverer. But a premature jump into the process on his own accord didn't work. It didn't work. Now, in the new place he found himself, after fleeing, he became a humble shepherd raising a family until the day God distracted him with a burning bush experience and sent him back to Egypt to free God's people. Moses did not enter Egypt with a branding team. You understand what I'm saying when I say branding team? Yes. <laughs> or a strategy to gain numbers to establish his popularity and to find the level of his influence before he could accomplish God's purpose. That's right. He appeared before Pharaoh as a humble shepherd sent by God to demand that Pharaoh let God's people go. Yep. Think about that. That was pretty risky business for this man. How would you like to have lived in Kansas and the law's after you? You know what I'm saying? And so you flee and you move to Tennessee. And you've established a family. You're doing good. Nobody's bothering you here. It's wonderful and you're in God's country. Come on. He dwells on the mountains right next door. Come on. You know what I'm saying? And on a trip up in the mountain to see all the deer, you notice this bush is burning, but it's not being consumed, and you feel drawn to it, so you go, and the presence of God overtakes you, and you hear the voice of the Lord say, you're going back to Kansas. (laughs) (laughs) But, Lord, I'm a wanted man. Yeah, from me, I want you. I want you to go to Kansas because the people you left behind there are in some bondage, and I want you to set them free. But I'll be, will you do what I'm going to ask you to do or not? You remember Moses kind of debated with God a little bit, you know. He was a guy being trained to be prince. A prince can speak. But Moses was trying to say to God, but Lord, I'm not a man of great speech. And it says the anger of the Lord was kindled against him in that moment. Because Moses was trying to debate with God on the premise of fleshly ability. Instead of in the presence of God acknowledging the fact that if God's going to ask him to do something, God will make him able to do it. God will make him able to do it. God is never impressed. It is not a sign of humility to God for us to argue with him when his call comes and says, I want you to do this. And we start raising an argument. It doesn't impress God. That's false humility. It's insecurity of the flesh. It is not genuine spiritual humility. And that's what Moses was exhibiting When he was trying to raise the argument, I can't speak. And Moses had, had to give him Aaron. Turned out Moses spoke anyway. Isn't that interesting? Read the scripture. Moses speaks to Pharaoh after God gave him Aaron to do it. Now, if Aaron was insecure, he should be saying, hey, bro, that's my job. Stay in your lane. You hold the staff. I'll do the talking. But see, that's what happens. That's the conflicts. Those are the kinds of conflicts that come out when you get insecure people who think according to the flesh in the mix of situations. you end up with conflict. But if you're in the presence of God and you can see with the eye of faith and believe with your heart what the Lord is revealing to you, you can step right into what it is he's telling you he has for you. You just step into it. He didn't come with that branding team or great numbers to establish popularity to find a level of his influence. He came as a humble shepherd sent by God with a, with a demand. When you're sent by God, you're not a beggar. He didn't send Moses as an inferior That's right. That's right. beggar type to Pharaoh. Now, David of Bethlehem was a shepherd boy minding his own business. Gideon was a small man among the smallest tribe doing the best he knew how to survive. Jeremiah, the prophet, was a despised prophet who had a fire shut up in his bones that wouldn't let him be quiet about what God was speaking to him. And it got him in all kinds of trouble. Peter and Andrew were fishermen, distracted from their nets to follow a man they had just met. Matthew was a despised tax collector and left his table when Jesus just looked at him and said, follow me. When Jesus called a Pharisee named Saul, which, by the way, the the word, the name Saul in the Hebrew means asked for. Mm -hmm. Asked for. You remember, it was the people who asked for a king. And God gave them Saul. Remember? Well, Paul who before was Saul, Jesus had to knock him off his horse of arrogance and strike him blind. He had to make Saul weak and humble in order to truly use him for the purpose Jesus wished to use him for. And that was when Saul became shortly thereafter Paul. And the word, the name Paul means small. And it was Paul who coined the phrase, I have no confidence in my flesh. In my flesh dwells no good thing. He had no, he had, he had, it was Paul who said, hey, I, 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 I'm a true Israelite. Circumcised the eighth day, born to the house of Benjamin. Studied under the premier rabbi in Israel. A Pharisee of Pharisees. If anybody had a reason in the flesh to boast, it should be me. But he says, I consider all that like running into some dog there it is. stuff on the trail. There it is. It's dung. Dung was the, that culture's way of saying crap. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That was, that's what they were saying. Paul's saying all that means nothing, absolutely nothing compared to the excellency of knowing him. He was brought into something so amazing, so wonderful, so marvelous. He'd been called by Christ himself. See, God does not call, nor does he promote someone Based on worldly prestige, family pedigree, or personal accomplishments. It has nothing to do with a calling in the kingdom. It doesn't matter how many years you went to school. It doesn't matter how high up the ladder you are in the company where you work. It doesn't matter if you own it. None of that is a factoring qualification with God for what he wants to call someone to do. None of it. You know what that means? Anyone in the kingdom has an opportunity to be used by God for his glory and his purposes. Anyone. Now from the New Living Translation, the NLT, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31 says this. Let your heart hear this. Let your soul soak it in. Verse 26 says, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. When God called me, I was a scruffy, unshaven, unkempt, horrible looking disaster of an early 20s guy. I had just been brought into the kingdom of life from a shipwrecked life. I had nothing to bring. You know? Nothing. I didn't have a whole lot of money. I rode around on a used Honda 350 because I totaled out my Roadrunner. Which I just finally paid off after a long time. And did not have the money to buy another one. I mean i was I was in a in a rough place I was in a tough place when God rescued me and he rescues me out of that place and he calls me as he's rescuing me out of that place. all I could say is you're God I'm not if you say that's for me that's for me it's sort of like the difference between we watched the nativity on Christmas Eve as a family. That's one of the things we do is we watch the nativity together. And it shows the scene of Zechariah in the temple. He's all excited. They're all proud. He's going to be the one going back, you know. And the angel of God speaks to him and says, your wife is going to give birth to a son you shall name John. And what does he do? According. To the flesh. He starts to reason with God. In the very presence of God. He begins to reason. And what does the angel say? Because of this. You will not speak. Until the day appointed. By the Lord. Now contrast that to what. Mary. Did. Unmarried. Virgin young woman. Controversial times. Times. Visited by the angel. You are highly favored of God. You shall conceive and give birth to a son whose name shall be Jesus. And she, what, how does she conclude it? Let it be unto me as you have spoken. The highest humility any believer in Jesus can walk in is say, if you say it. I receive it, let it be so. Amen. So be it. So be it. And not even let yourself go down the avenue of thinking according to your fleshly abilities whether or not he could possibly even be speaking to you. Let's keep reading. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they were the wise. You know, he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world. Things counted as nothing at all and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. And as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. And he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast about the Lord. Boast about the Lord. Now, I believe that what the Holy Spirit is up to in these last days is not going to be based on a successful branding, a major international reputation, large numbers, etc. It's not going to be based on family lines, race, gender, age, socioeconomic status, level of education, career, talents, etc. Fill in the blank. The wicked of this world can gather large crowds too, folks. Horrible movies can draw crowds large enough to fill multiple theaters across this nation, even in times of COVID. Godless entertainers can fill huge stadiums to which people will pay large sums of money to go for just... Couple hours. True. Come on. True. Jesus never got a security from the size of the crowds that came out to see him. Jesus is still at work through ordinary, humble, unassuming, faithful believers in the way he's publicized in the scriptures, he would be. He hasn't changed. God does not change, nor does he repent. He doesn't have need to. He's perfect. All his decisions are right ones. All his ways are good. He's not a man. He's looking to offer more grace to those who are ready to receive it. Look at what it says in James 4, 6 in the New King James Version. It says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The humble there is not the right wording, the right look on your face, and a demeaning of yourself. That is not humble. Humble. Humble is the ability to acknowledge who he is and that regardless of who you may appear to be, whatever he says has to be true. I will believe it and I will receive it. He has the power to make me whatever he wants me to be. That is humble. That's humble. Just a quick side note. God does not cater to narcissist Amen. and nor do you have to Amen. consider how Jesus came in the most ordinary of ways he was born in a stable in the smallest city among the smallest tribe in Israel with a feeding trough for a bed wrapped in a lamb swaddling cloth when it was time to enter his ministry He submitted to the prophet who was supposed to be his forerunner. And he was baptized. I have a problem if somebody says I've come to Jesus and they don't want to be water baptized. How can you still be a rebel to God and claim to belong to him? You can't be both. You either his and you submitted to his ways or you're not his. But I prayed a prayer. Doesn't matter if you prayed a prayer. If you prayed to prayer, you should have been changed. And in that nature, being changed is this willingness to surrender to the ways and the will of God as He reveals it to you. And especially if He reveals it to you from this word. Very clearly. If you've ever been born again and you've not been bought water baptized, what are you waiting on? You need to do it. You need to be water baptized. Well, I need to go to the class on better. You don't need to understand it. You just need to know that God saves that's a way of righteousness. Jesus submitted to the way of righteousness, to John the Baptist, to he, if the Lord himself was water baptized, why shouldn't you be? Are you hearing me? Shouldn't be a, a hard thing to do. It's part of a public confession. It's part of the acknowledgement that you have died to your old self and you've become a brand new creation, raised in newness of life with Christ Jesus. That's all you need to know about baptism. You're testifying my sins have been cleansed. I'm a new creation. This over laboring of having to explain every tiny detail in the body of Christ today is because hearts are not where they need to be in humility in the presence of God. Everything gets easier when there's humility in the presence of God. The Holy Spirit can launch an idea in the presence of God and where there's humility. It's the easiest thing in the world for that group of people to come in unity around that idea the Holy Spirit just launched. Simple. But where there's not humility because there's narcissism Mm -hmm. and only identification with the flesh. You can't hardly get anything done. It's It's hard. Yes the Holy Spirit after Jesus being baptized he submitted there then get this the Holy Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness where for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and was tested of the devil how's that for prestige you're the son of God God in human flesh and you're submitting to a Creation that your word brought forth at the River Jordan. He's baptizing you in the water. And then the spirit tells you, come on. And takes you out to be hungry and thirsty for 40 days. So that the chief enemy can come and try to do his best against you. At your weakest place. Adam was tested in a garden where he never hungered a day. Never had to go search for water a day. Had perfection everything and failed the test. First Adam. Jesus comes and he's given a much harder task. And he passes. Considering these many examples we have in scripture. I think it's wise to follow the Holy Spirit's advice through Paul to the Corinthians and make, make our boast in being his. Amen. Being his due to his great mercy and grace, which he so freely gave to us. It was what he did that made it possible for me to belong to him and love him in the first place. We love him because he first loved us. Now, I cannot boast in great achievements made because I'm so sacrificial in my devotion to him. I can only boast in how sacrificial, merciful and loving he was so that I could have life and have it more abundantly. It wearies me anymore to be in a group of ministers and listen to everybody talk about what they've done. literally wearies my spirit I'm like why am I here Jesus should be praised Jesus should be the one that's being boasted about not this and we've created it because we rush to the largest ministries we rush to the brands well, I'm an Elevation worship fan. Woo. I love everything they do. I think their pastor's the greatest. Look at the kind of worship teams he's produced. And we praise men. And God is not pleased with it. I'm not saying they're sinners or anything like that. I'm just saying that... We should be boasting in Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. If I'm faithful in any way, it's because of his faithfulness at work in me. It's not because I'm all that in a bag of chips. If I'm committed in any way, it is because of his commitment and love for me. It is not a testimony to my greatness. It is a testimony to his. Amen. All glory to Jesus who gave his all, paid it all, and is faithful above all. Amen. And the same thing is true in your life. Yes, absolutely. Now I'm sharing all this to drive home the very important point that God is not looking for what you bring to the table to determine how he will call you. That's not, that's not how he does it. His calling is not based on what you can do in your own strength and wisdom. His calling is of a prophetic nature. And it's always according to faith. It will draw you out of what you think according to the natural and bring you into what he knows he can do through you according to his Holy Spirit at work in you. Now, that is why opportunity, hope, promise, possibility are all words that you can own and rejoice about. It ought to be part of your vocabulary. Of everybody on this planet, you have more reason than any to celebrate, to rejoice, to render praise, to offer thanksgiving. Rejoice. He's called you to be thankful in knowing him and being who he says you can be. He wants to reveal to you what he wants to do in and through you. You're not the sum of your life history. You're a new creation in Christ and opportunities abound because of that reality. That's why they abound. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And watch how powerfully he can use you. There's no such thing as being insignificant in his kingdom when you are submitted to his calling. If if the Lord were to call you to clean toilets in the church, it is not insignificant. It is equally as significant as his calling me to be a pastor, a preacher of the word. It's equally significant. Why? He called. It is not what he called you to. That is the measuring. It is the fact that he called. The idea that he called you. That's what you ought to rejoice in. If he calls you to just give to people yeah. right. out of just love, yeah. Come on. just calls you to be generous toward others. Yes. Rejoice that he called you, and don't go looking around to see who all is as generous as you are, Amen. as giving. Is just enjoy that he called you. Amen. Amen. Very good. Very good. Period if he calls you to be one of the ones who spends a lot of time in prayer for others. Don't ask who else is doing it and think that it'll only become significant if you can get more people to do what you're doing. No, enjoy the fact that he called you. He called you. Do you understand that? God, almighty, majestic, and holy, supreme in all that he is, called you. That's incredible to think about. He called you. Who cares what it is that he asked you to do? See, if you're all fixated on you, you care about that. Yeah. Right. You're all caught up in that. When I came to know Jesus, I didn't have this 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 fixation on being a preacher or being a pastor. I didn't have a fixation on anything. Yep. I was just lucky to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> <That's the truth. laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. See, when you're not really seeing him for who he is, you're not relishing his presence and the gift of it. You're not wallowing in the abundance of grace that is yours in Christ Jesus. You see his calling and you want to compare what he asked you to do to what he asked somebody else to do. You're like Peter at the fire after the Lord raised from the dead. Lord, what about that one? And his answer is to you like it was to be. What's that to you? What if I should he that remain until I return? Don't worry about him, Peter. Concentrate on what I've called you to do. If you're busy doing what I've called you to do, you won't have time. We've prayed at times when we've had issues where people want to rise up and create problems. We pray, God, give them something to do. Distract them. Just distract them. Give them something to do to where they're so busy doing what they're supposed to be doing, they ain't got time to think about me. I never want to occupy somebody's mind space that prevalently anyway. I would rather be a fleeting thought to them. Please, dear Jesus. Yes. <laughs> <Give> them <something. laughs> Let them think of me as a lowly beggar. Yes. I don't want the place of prestige they think I have. Right. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm not here to compete with anybody. Keep I'm just here to do what the Lord's given me to do. Yes. And be found faithful in doing what he gave me to do. That's why people can't stop me from preaching. <laughs> That's why they can't stop me from being the leader I'm called to be. He called me to be it. I got to be it. Yep. Yep. I, don't, I, I don't get to be it or not be it according to your jurisdiction of it. You're not in charge of that. Right. Amen. You can choose to sit and listen to me and, and surrender to the oversight that I can offer and the other elders can offer in this church. Or you can choose not to. Yeah. But you don't choose whether or not we're leaders. Because that's a calling, right? And it's not a more prestigious calling than the people who clean this fellowship during the week. They're answering a calling too. Or if they cut the grass or blow the parking lot or maintenance something in the house, it doesn't make a difference. If they're doing what God called them to do, the, the thing we all rejoice in is that we have the same father and that father has called each and every one of us into our specific area of service. Amen. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing when we can securely rejoice in that. Amen. You see what I'm saying? It's got nothing to do, again, with whether you're male or female. We just witnessed that up here today. Yep. Has nothing to do with your age, has nothing to do with your socioeconomic status, has got nothing to do with whether you're an important person out there or not. It's just what does the father want? What does the father want? And have you become convinced of what that is? And you will never convince others that's what that is until you are thoroughly and genuinely convinced of it yourself. Because if you're not convinced of it yourself, you will act out of insecurity to try to convince others, and they smell insecurity like a strong perfume that somebody bathed in. You, you know what I'm saying? And, that, and all that produces is a desire to say, whoa, 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 there's something off here. Too anxious about he, he, he. danger, Will Robinson. I know some of you are not old enough to know what that is. I just dated myself horribly. I understand. Lost in space. Okay. So. I'm trying to help you because every single one of you have significance in the kingdom of God. And you will only know that when you stop trying to compare with others. For for whether or not what you're doing or what you feel is yours to do is important enough or not. And just rejoice that you were called.